been in a series uh, started last week called After His Heart. After His Heart, you got to hear from two of our pastors, one here in Coeur d'Alene, one at Post Falls, J.O. and Jason. And um, this series is all about our mission and our vision here at Heart of the City, which is to be a people after God's own heart to be a people after God's own heart. And we try to walk out that mission, live out that mission by helping people do a few things. And one is know God. That's what you heard about last week. Knowing God and helping people find freedom, helping people discover purpose, helping people make a difference in this world. You heard about knowing God last week and I wanna talk to you today about that second part of our mission and that is helping people find freedom. Are you ready to get into the word of God? Come on. We're going to be in John chapter 8 this morning, if you want to turn with me. Now, the book of John is John the Apostle's gospel account. John is famously known as the the one who dubbed himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, it's a little awkward, just that kind of like self-flex kind of thing, like just... (laughs) Um, But I think that there's actually something there for us. John knew who he was. We got to see this beautiful thing in the scriptures of an author in the New Testament knowing who he is in Christ. John is known as the most different of the four gospel accounts. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels. They're the ones that are the most similar to each other. And it's been said that the first three gospel accounts are about what Jesus did and what he said, but that the gospel of John is about who Jesus is. Now in John chapter eight, Jesus is speaking with some Jewish people and especially some religious leaders. And he is asserting his identity as the son of God and the light of the world. And they are ticked. They're so mad about these claims he's making. I mean, to them it's blasphemy that they begin to talk about killing him. And Jesus rebukes them for their hard-heartedness, their their unwillingness to receive him, to, to receive the truth, to receive Jesus for who he is. And he further asserts his identity. We're gonna pick up the conversation in John 8, verse 31. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word... I'm gonna say that again. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Martin Luther King wasn't the first guy to say that, if you didn't know. (laughs) They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham. I don't know if they used that tone, but I feel that's what it reads to me. We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Duly noted. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is God's word. You may be seated. Now, when I was seven years old, my family moved to Vancouver, Washington from Boise, Idaho. I know what you're thinking, what? Why? Well, it was a long time ago and things were a little bit different back then, just to be fair. 
We moved on to six and a half acres. Most of it was forested. It was, it was just the ideal place for a little boy to grow up. I got to go out in the woods and fight orcs. And I had a real bow and a real sword. My parents let me have a real bow and a real sword. And I'd go and I'd be chopping things up. And Now, there weren't any real orcs, just to clarify, out there, but I had a pretty strong imagination. <laughs> they were there for me. It was real for me. Now, so once we got acreage, we found, hey, you know what? This is enough space to get a dog. You know, getting a dog is a big commitment. If you haven't done it yet, let, just it's a pretty big commitment. I'll just say that for all of you who think that it's just going to be a wonderful little, nice little lighthearted addition to your life. We got this puppy. It was a, he was a mix, a Chesapeake Bay chocolate lab, and uh, his name was Copper. And... Um, Copper, he, he's gone now. Uh, he's been gone for, for over a decade. But uh, when he was young, man, that dog was wild as a bug. He about ate the ankles off our sheep. We had two sheep that my mom affectionately named Kibbles and Bits. And he was about to have raw lamb up in our, up in our yard. But he wasn't just a problem for the livestock. That wasn't even his main thing. His primary vice was getting out of the yard and chasing after the lady dogs. It was bad. It got so out of control, we had to get him fixed. And then against all laws of nature, he got out and chased lady dogs again. <laughs> so, you know, we decided, our family decided, my parents decided that, you know, the best way to curb this reckless abandon inside of copper was to put an electric fence Around, uh, around the unforested part of the property. And my dad, being the very kind of soft, docile, <laughs> mild-mannered man that he is, he decided that the best solution to teach Copper to honor the electric fence was to crank up the voltage and just wait for him to escape. <laughs> Go ahead, Copper. Be my guest. See, Copper, he wasn't the smartest, but... He also wasn't the dumbest. He learned probably after about two encounters. And uh, the, the fear of the fence was instilled inside of him. There was a reverence. And he didn't, he didn't go close to that anymore after a couple times. Unfortunately, Copper wasn't the only family member who tested his luck with the fence. <sighs> I can remember two encounters of my own. The first one, I feel like I get a little bit of a pass. You know, it's kind of like, fool me once, shame on you, shame on the fence for fooling me, right? Curiosity, a little stupidity, a little bit of undeveloped brain. I just grabbed that thing. I wanted to know. Let, hey, let that be a word to all you young folk that need to just try something once because you're curious. Sometimes it bites back. And I should have learned after one time. It hurt bad enough for that. But then, a few months later, I was out playing catch with my dad. I wouldn't say I was a baseball player. I played baseball. But I missed the ball one time and, and uh, rolled underneath the electric fence. And if you didn't know, the sensation of 2,000 volts going to the back of your head, there's just not a lot of things that are quite like that. After a few months when we realized that Copper wasn't going to be testing his luck anymore with that electric fence, we decided, really for the sake of all of us, to turn off the electric current. And um, 
Once the electric current was off, the truth of the matter was that copper could have escaped at any time. The fence really wasn't a fence, it was one wire. And there were certain parts of the property that that's all there was, one wire and forest on the other side. But copper thought it was still alive. You see, there was no longer any real restraint to keep copper inside that electric wire. But he stayed within his confines because he was fully convinced of a lie. Fully convinced. If you would have asked him, he'd have said, that thing's gonna fry me. <laughs> Copper didn't know the truth, so Copper was never free. I wanna talk to you today about the relationship between truth and freedom because there is a relationship between them. You know, in the passage that we just read in John chapter eight, we see the word freedom, which is aletheia, seven times in the original Greek. And then we see the word true another four times. And then we see the word truly, you know, when it goes truly, truly, another six times. Needless to say, truth is a major theme of this passage. But in the passage, the, the, the section that we just read, starting in verse 31, Jesus speaks about, yes, truth, but how it is intricately connected with freedom. I want to make the proposition to you today that one of the greatest obstacles to a person finding freedom is that person not knowing the truth. And because it means so much to us here at Heart of the City for people to walk in freedom, to find freedom and live in it, this is the question I would pose to you today. If knowing the truth leads to finding freedom, how is it that we know the truth? How is it that we know the truth? And to answer that question, hopefully you know me well enough by now that we're going back to the scriptures. We'll primarily be in John chapter eight, but we are gonna be looking at a few other passages so that we might gather kind of this comprehensive understanding. How do we know the truth? First of all, I hope the first one's pretty self-explanatory after last week's message. We know the truth by abiding in the word of God. How do you know, Seth? Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Last week at the Coeur d'Alene campus, we learned about knowing God specifically through his word. We launched into a 24-day Bible reading plan, which by the way, it's not too late for you to join us. Still got bookmarks. We'd love for you to grab one on the way out. It's been absolutely beautiful so far. Today, I think we were in uh, Jeremiah 32. Is that what we read this morning? I mean, not assuming that everyone read it this morning, but, um, and it's, it's, it's been precious, but, but such an emphasis for us because the word of God is the anchor that keeps us grounded in the truth. The word of God is the key of keys. It is the standard by which everything, every other truth claim is measured. Do you believe that? Or is the jury still out for you? Do you still come to the scriptures with this skeptic point of view saying, I'll accept it if it aligns with what I think? Do you know that submission doesn't begin until you run into something you disagree with? You're the king until then. Did you know that? The word of God is unchanging. 
living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even between soul and spirit. That's pretty darn sharp. If you want to know the truth, you got to get the truth inside of you. How do you get the truth inside of you, Seth? By meditating upon God's word. If you were in Coeur d'Alene last week, you would have seen the illustration of the cow who chews the cud, swallows the cud, pukes the cud back up, chews it again, swallows it again, ruminating, meditating. Not just, well, I read my, I, I read my little verse for the day and I should be, that should be, that should be good. I should be fine now. Everything should be a little bit brighter now. Meditating on the word of God. We know the truth by chewing, reading, reciting, memorizing, getting the word of God inside of us. A second way we know the truth is by being filled with his spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you from a little bit later in John's gospel account in chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Did you notice that one of the names by which the Holy Spirit is referred to by Jesus himself is the Spirit of truth? Now, the Holy Spirit has many roles in the life of a believer. A lot of those roles don't get talked about in the Western world because we're uncomfortable with the supernatural. It doesn't change the truth. He has a lot of roles, a lot of roles, not just to help you read the scriptures better. Now, some of you might be in the room today and you might be going, I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you might be going, I'm pretty darn sure I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me speak a word of comfort to you. This isn't some spooky ritual. The Bible says that the Father, it is his good pleasure to give his spirit to those who ask. When you ask for bread, he's not gonna give you rocks. He's not gonna give you a snake. He loves to give you good things, especially his spirit. If you're in that situation this morning, there's gonna be a time later on in this gathering where we give an opportunity for you to receive prayer. There's gonna be an altar team up here being willing to lay their hands on you. If you don't know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, or you believe that you're not, don't leave this house without getting filled. Amen. Come and pray with, a, with another brother or sister in Christ and we will pray with you to be filled because God desires that his whole church be filled with the Spirit. It is not for some little elite spiritual leadership thing. Do you know that he told his disciples to wait upon the Holy Spirit because he knew he would make all the difference in the world? Now, maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're going, Seth, I got this pretty darn well covered. I've been speaking in tongues since 1985. Congratulations. I am happy for you. I'm glad that you were filled with the Spirit in 1985. Are you full of Him today? Are you full of Him today? You know, there's this really interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 13. We know it as the love passage, but the context of it is actually not like romantic love at all. The context of it is, you think you're cool because you got gifts? Worth nothing if there's not love attached to it. I heard a paraphrase once like this. Don't get offended, 909, okay? Just brace yourselves a little bit. No one cares if you speak in tongues if you're a jerk in English. 
that's not my quote. Don't email me about it. I didn't write it. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I do agree with it though. 100%, 150%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is rarely a day that I go without asking God to fill me with his spirit again. You see, in the scriptures, people aren't just filled and it's like one and done, I'm just good to go and never need to go back to that well again. We are to be continually filled with his spirit to overflow. The Holy Spirit can lead you into all truth, but will you make room for him to do so? We also know the truth by, this one isn't very, this one doesn't roll off the tongue very nicely, but it has to be here. We know the truth by enduring. Can you say enduring? Enduring Enduring sound teaching. Not a lot of amens. You were hoping for something a little bit more, a little more like, we know the truth by self-help books. We know the truth by saying positive things over ourselves. I'm good. I, hey, I'm good with speaking scripture over yourself, but there's a lot of worldly things that people speak over themselves. I'm like, what are you doing? You probably, you better be careful. You might be putting some weird jacked up curses on yourself with all those weird affirmations you're doing. Anyway, second Timothy four, <laughs> that's for free for all of you who are sitting in the council of the ungodly. My goodness, friends. Blessed is the man who does not do that. That's from Psalm 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing to his spiritual son. Imagine the passion in the letter from a spiritual father to a spiritual son, from a spiritual mother to a spiritual daughter going, you gotta get this. I just picture my son, me going to my son going, do you know that everything I tell you is just for your good? One time I did that and he goes, I don't want good. (laughs) And I thought, wow, I believe in original sin. Um, But then I thought, how many times have I done that with my behavior, with my own attitude toward God, when God's going, everything I've told you is for your good. And I'm like, wow, you want to put restrictions on me. I don't want good. He's like, come on, son. That's how silly it is. My toddler saying, I don't want good. That's how silly it is when we look at what God has said as some kind of arbitrary restriction to kill our fun. That's how silly it is. That's how ignorant it is. That's how stupid it is. I said, stupid, I'm sorry, we're moving on. (laughs) This is what it says in in 2 Timothy chapter four. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We started in verse two for those of you flipping. I'm sorry, I should have told you the verse. It's up here too. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It is very important who you listen to. There are a lot of people who teach just because someone teaches doesn't mean they're teaching sound. What does sound mean? That's, we, don't, we don't use that word a ton. It means healthy, whole, right, orthodox, true. Sorry, or if orthodox was kind of like, ooh, no, I, don't, I don't mean like the Eastern Orthodox. Orthodox just means true, right, the way. It, the way. God has set up his church in such a way that there are people who have been called and gifted and anointed to teach the saints for the equipping of the work of the ministry. 
I'm not trying to say that Heart of the City Church has the corner on truth or that this is the only house where you can receive sound teaching. I'm not saying that at all. There are a lot of wonderful churches with some really great sound teaching, but I am saying that not every teacher on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or even from a pulpit is delivering sound doctrine. We should be very, very careful who we're learning from. You know, there's a reason why it's called followers on social media. Someone's leading and someone's following. You think you can absorb content from someone day after day and it not get in you? Don't fool yourself. We live in a time where if you search long enough on the internet, you're going to find someone who teaches according to your own passions. You will. You can. Guarantee it. Someone who will teach in a way that suits your own opinions, your own beliefs. Amen, brother. Good word. That's exactly what I was thinking. Be careful. Be careful when that is the amen inside of your heart. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is that what God was thinking? Is that what God said? Do you find yourself searching for teachers that you just agree with? Just searching and searching and searching until you go, wow, someone who finally aligns with my opinion. If we're not careful, that strategy will lead us to wandering away from the truth and wandering in to myths. And there is no freedom in myth. If we want to know the truth, we must endure sound, healthy teaching. Be careful who you learn from, church. It will shape you. We know the truth. Oh, this one's even cozier. I love it. Just wait. Come on now. We know the truth by being willing to receive correction. I'm telling you, one of the most impactful and shaping and discipling things that has ever happened to me is when a mature, trusted believer rebukes the snot out of me. Sharp rebuke. Whoa! I'm transformed. That's crazy. I'm never going to be the same again. In the passage we began with, some of the Jews answered Jesus in the following way in verse 33. And yes, I am going to use the mocking vocal tone again. You can write me about it, but I feel like I'm on pretty good ground here. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. In other words, you need freedom because y'all are slaves to sin. I don't care who your great, 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 great grandpa is. If you practice sin, you're a slave. Some of these people were so proud of their ethnic and religious heritage, so arrogant about their status, that when Jesus, the Son of God, brought a challenge to them, the Son of God, they stiffened their necks and would not receive. You're like, well, I wouldn't do that. I would receive from Jesus. Who do you receive from now? Who can tell you off in love? Who can rebuke you and you will actually take it? Do you have trusted 
mature believers in your life who can bring blind spots to you, who can rebuke you in love. Because if you don't receive this in love, if you don't, you're, you're living like my old dog, Copper, refusing to, to see the truth and staying bound by lies. This is one of the reasons why we're so adamant about doing Christian life in community and in real relationship. This is why we even have small groups and why we would have something called group launch weekend. All of us need people that we can get real with, who will actually speak truth into our messes and who we will actually receive from. Now, I'm not, go I'm not talking about you going to your worldly friend and sharing all the stuff going on and so that they can just affirm all your sin. That is not the same thing. Yeah, I got people I can be real with. And if those people never call you out, let me tell you, they're the wrong person to be sharing with. If the person that you share your junk with never speaks a hard truth to you, you're talking to the wrong person. Some of you didn't like that. It's okay, I love you. I'm saying this because I love you. I want, I want you to live and live abundantly. I'm not here to be a comfort blanket. I'm here to be a spur. There's not one of us who is above correction. Not one of us. There's not one of us who is above being sharpened. You think you're sharp? There's room for some sharpening. Regardless of how long you've been walking with Jesus, regardless of what level of spiritual leadership you're in, you need people around you who can tell you the truth. I need people around me who can tell me the truth. You want to know why we see Christian leaders in tabloid headlines? Do you want to know why? Because they stopped being real with someone who would tell them the truth. Or, or when they were real with someone and someone told them the truth, they would not receive and they cut off relationships saying, they're toxic. Not everyone who rebukes you is toxic. Some people who rebuke you are trying to allow you to live, to pull you out of hell. Be careful about the buzzwords of this age and just assigning everyone you disagree with as toxic or as a narcissist. Careful. Oh man, that one might've been a little bit too hard. <laughs> Many of us are walking around carrying chains today, not because Jesus has not abundantly provided for our freedom. And catch that, Jesus has abundantly provided for your freedom. What a beautiful bride it will be, we will be, when we actually walk around knowing that we never have to say yes to the enemy again. Did you know you never have to say yes to the enemy again? Did you know every chain that you have chosen to carry, the lock is broken? You never have to again. I know it's crazy to think about. You never have to again. But you want to know one way that we carry around chains is when we are unwilling to let anyone speak to our shortcomings. We just throw it over our shoulder. No lock on it, by the way. No lock. Just over our shoulder. Well, last time I got real with someone, I got my feelings hurt. 
well, if I'm really spiritually mature, I, I should just only have counsel with the Holy Spirit. I don't need the church anymore. I outgrew the church in my spiritual guru-ness and um, wisdom. And No locks on those chains. Your choice. We know the truth by being willing to receive correction from the trusted, mature believers in our lives. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to prescribe a specific someone. I'm just saying if, if there's no one, you have a problem. You have a serious problem. If when I said, who can tell you the hard truth and you'll receive it, you had a hard time thinking of it. Because I can think of five right now, at least. Just, just boom, 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 boom. They tell me anything, I might have a little hissy fit for like 30 seconds, but then I'm going to receive it and I'm going to be changed. Hey, if you have a little hissy fit, if they're honestly, that, that spiritual mature Christian who spoke, who spoke rebuke to you, they know what a hissy fit looks like and they're going to give you time to repent. Do you know how many times Craig Brown has rebuked me? And I went, mm, 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 mm. and then the next day I'm like, you right, you right. What are your names? If you can't name one, you're in trouble. You're in serious danger. Get a name. Finally, we know the truth. What's up, Baz? Finally, we know the truth by being in relationship with the truth. You go, what? Wait, what? We know the truth by being in relationship with the truth. In John 14, 6, this is what I mean by that. This is actually from the Bible. Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to the Father to make a place for them. What a beautiful thought. But doubting Thomas, Jesus goes, I'm going to make a place for you. And Thomas is like, what? Like not thinking about, wow, this is so amazing. Jesus is going to make a place for me with the Father. He's going, we don't know where you're going. How will we know the way? And I can just see Jesus with that kind of knowing smile. Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is, even though it's, it's the last point, it's really where the conversation begins. To know the truth, we must recognize that the truth is not just a concept or an idea, but that the truth is a person. Did you know that the truth is a person? When Jesus says that the truth will set you free, he's not just saying that knowing true statements or knowing true assertions or facts will set you free. No, just four verses after he says the truth will set you free, you know what he says? He says this, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is to say, if I, this is Jesus speaking, I'm paraphrasing. If I, the Son of God, the truth embodied and defined, set you free, then you will be truly free. My friends, we can heap up all kinds of knowledge of truth you can listen to all the modern philosophers and feel so smart about all the truth that you know. 
should I go there? Uh, mm, well, I'll just say it like this. No matter how wise someone sounds and how many things they have shared that you have received as the truth, if they don't know the person of truth, they are in deception. And if you only know the truths that the person in deception is speaking, even though there are truths that they may be speaking, you are in deception. Leave it there.